this if you want some nuggets in here as well but uh so what so what does that mean there's no no your mark your head because what was her role she was head marketer yeah she's head of marketing i mean we to be fully honest like we don't really need marketing right now we're gonna need it in like one month mm-hmm. like this is kind of like be honest like this is like our my, our only stream of real marketing it's like talking mm-hmm. about kind of gcx and stuff so we might have to do in the meantime, Tristan, and kick you a few bucks extra too, is cut some of our old videos talking more about product, talking more about how it really amplifies and helps the like experience. I also want to talk to you about maybe, um, I think this is actually a good setting to do it, uh, doing a live demo or doing like a webinar. Yes. Um, something that we should discuss and you come in, let's say next week, and we set up a meeting with Aiken, myself and you and talk through that. Um, and I also think it's good also to like maybe do a video with Aiken as well. Uh, cause Aiken, uh, Aiken's really good at talking about, uh, operations, how client management, how we really take a lot of pride in all of our clients. And so yeah. she's really good at pitch, uh, voicing that. So I think having me as like the sales engine, her as like the client success engine could be something really nice cool. Man. That's super interesting to, to, it just goes into all of our conversations. We have this all about like <clears throat> you focus on your strengths. She focuses on that. Like and you guys are just, that, <clears throat> that was one of the biggest things that I struggled with, with uh, starting undressed Jersey. I started right. on my own, but I remember talking, I had to talk to someone to like convince myself to start and like, Hey right. man, I have this great idea. And, and he was, he, I talked to him about him all the time. His name's Alfred Burgesson. Alfred. Alfred's Alfred's the guy on the East Coast. He he just founded his own um, entrepreneurship and innovation hub for Black Indigenous people of color, and so he just got a bunch of funding and whatever. So he's building this empire. Anyway, I remember like we were in New York, and, and I was like, "Yo, yo, Alfred, like I have this idea. I want to do this. Like everything." Da, 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 da. And he was like, "Yeah, I'll help you out." But starting out, I hated whenever he would like either post something or make a decision or edit something without, without telling me. Um, and looking back, that's strictly because it was because I didn't want to give up any control. It was my baby. It was my idea. It was me, 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 me. And no, I don't want you. Like I wanted to lean on you for help. But what I'm realizing is you need to give up control in order to scale. Oh, like, yeah, you're, you're not scaling. You can't slow. Yeah, you, you should be okay, but your audio is a little jumpy. Can't. No. Not yet. I try to. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah, that's better, but you're laggy. How's that? How's that? Good. Oh, that's better? Yeah, we're good. We're back. We're, we're on the LTE. We're on the yeah. LTE now. The Wi Fi is bullshit in this place Yikes. anyways it uh it's a video leggy no no it's okay now it's just when you disconnected or whatever but we're back we're gonna go yeah we're gonna go all right cool uh yeah no i think it's really important right um delegation and then uh the process of i would say um to tristan like learning to delegate i think that's something that a lot of um entrepreneurs people just starting out uh ultimately struggle with right because you want to be you're like a control freak. It's like, um, it's like raising a kid. It's like, this is like your baby. You're like a soul. You're like a, you're a, like a single parent. 
Uh, you're raising the kid, you're doing everything, you're feeding it, you're, it's growing, it's exciting, you're taking care of it, you're changing diapers. And then uh, it's like uh, when they hit a certain age, you need to bring in a babysitter because you know you got to do, you got to go out and I don't know, live your life. Uh, but if I use that example, but um, it's really hard to, I guess, um, establish that trust with that person or that initial group yeah. uh, to come in and raise your child. And so ultimately, as a startup founder, I think that's something that a lot of founders especially struggle with is like when new people come around the hoop and they bring new ideas. Um, I know I remember like a kind of act like 13 or whatever. And I was like, better to be collaborative than combative. Um, that was kind of like what that was coming out about as I was super combative to like ideas and new ideas that people had in our company uh, because I thought I was right because I was the guy that's been here the longest from day one, been in trend, been through the most pain out of anyone here. Um, but ultimately you got to welcome new ideas, create like that very um, inclusive um, environment and ultimately an environment where ever, all ideas are shared and uh, people can thrive. And so um, off of that environment, you then can, allocate and start realizing and being very self-aware with yourself um what are you really good at like and um i think with aiken uh especially she's like the most process oriented person she's like super detailed uh, we tell we always joke around how she takes uh, notes on her podcast um but uh, like i said she's great at what she does and um she establishes a level of trust with the client that is invaluable right so the client looks at aiken and goes I know Aiken's not going to miss anything when maybe if they looked at Troy, they go, I know Troy's got a thousand different things going on and he's got to focus on a thousand things. How is he going to take care of me? But Aiken obviously establishes that trust. And that's ultimately why uh, she handles basically all the client needs and she's great at what she does. Interesting. Interesting. I've always wondered that about you because you've brought up many times where you're like, you're someone who hates to be boxed in and you have all these different ideas and you're out here trying to pro uh, uh, solve problems. But like I've noticed whenever yeah. you see like a huge company, like either exit or fundraise or like, yeah, it's that ring light, baby. That's, that's cool. I just put, you like, you like that? You like that? That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's so good. Uh, it's like any major company in the world, you it's, it's typically founded by more than one person. And then right. in, in order to get to that level, you, you need to have other people on your team because it's just, you want like how how did you how, how did you learn that and, and and what was the what was the the competitive like just just tell us how you learned that lesson i think it was like my mentors of saying like stop being a fucking asshole basically like it was that was it right it was my mentors telling me hey you know what like you're gonna basically sit you down so you're gonna like I, I, it might have been blown out of portion, but they're like, you're going to blow up the company if you keep acting this way or if you keep not, if you keep um, hindering other people's ideas and not letting people in uh, to ultimately what you're doing. Cause you can only take on so much as a human being. And I think, like, um, obviously, like when you, you get it to a point where you have that initial success and you're like, well, I got it to that point where we initial success and I controlled everything. So I'm going to control everything. But you can't take that hockey stick leap. Uh, to hit that growth, um, you need people around the horn. You got to be able to delegate and hire. Steve Jobs said something like, I always hire people that are smarter than me because there's people that, like Steve Jobs is probably considered the most brilliant, one of the most top three brilliant entrepreneurs of all time. Um, but he hired people in certain roles. Like there's a reason why there's a tech 
division. There's a reason why there's an ops division, a marketing division, a sales division, right? It's because you can't have someone who's uh, like a Superman or Superwoman, all those sectors and like grow a company. You need people that are, you need the Justice League. You need the, you need the Avengers. You need everyone in their different silos to come together and ultimately conquer the world. But what do you tell, what do you tell the solopreneur who's like, well, if I hire someone else, like my margins are going to get smaller and smaller. I'm not going to make as much money. Well, well, it just depends on the business. Do you want to grow? Like it's a, some, that's the great thing about it is like uh, some people are like solopreneurs and they're launching, they're making like 150 K a year, 200 K a year, great gig. And they're doing it all themselves. Uh, they live a good lifestyle and you know what? That's awesome. Like good for them. Um, and that's, that's totally fine. Like, but if, but if you have like, like not every startup has to grow, like you have like, for example, like mom, like mama Joe's pizzeria, right. like that's been a family business for like a thousand years and they've get, they've got, they've had like corporations come to them and say, we want to franchise you, we want you to scale. And they say no, because ultimately like they're just like, they like being mom and Joe's pizzeria and that's perfectly fine. But if you're a company that like wants to scale and grow, then yeah, man, you got to learn to, it, it does, you have to sacrifice margins in the short term to hopefully project and make more revenue long-term because it's an extra body. And this is something that like, uh, I think I, like, I think a lot of businesses struggle with. It's like, well, how am I going to make, how am I going to make more money on day one when I bring on someone? And the fact of the matter is you're not, you're going to be operating at a little bit of a net loss than what you currently were operating at. But eventually over like two or three months, that person should be able to come in and make their input. And then now guess what? You're not just making a hundred percent of the revenue you're making today. You're making 200, 300, 400% of that revenue. Right. And so it's, you got to sacrifice. Um, like there's a reason why people raise capital, like, right. Like you sacrifice, you raise capital because you're not going to be, as soon as you hire people, you're making more money. It's because you're going to burn money. And eventually over the course of the capital raise, you become net cash flow positive and you're making substantial growth on that. Right? Yeah, um, the, that, that, I think that's a good keyword to kind of define is, is the burn rate of a company because that's, mm. that's the money that, that it's the period of your business where you're not making any profit and, and how yep. How much are you losing money? But that that money is hopefully fueling you to get to a place of profitability. Yeah, and just uh, I mean, it's funny, right? This, I mean, we live in such an interesting world, right? Like uh, venture now, venture is funny, right? Like everyone only cares about top line revenue. This is like interesting, right? Like all the, uh, no one actually really cares about. Well, they do eventually. Like Uber is a great example of this, right? Uber didn't make money until like two years ago. Right, they were cash flow negative for the longest time. Cash flow, cash flow negative for the longest time, and uh, the reason why that was is because they just wanted to keep growing. They wanted to keep growing their footprint, and growing their footprint, increasing top line. Yeah, and when you increase top line, you're trying to disrupt and grow a huge business worldwide. Your burns can you're going to have a lot of costs, and so ultimately with that, um, they just saw a long term vision that you know what, like. We're going to eventually turn cash. It's going to be like a switch, right? Like eventually we're going to hit that inflection point where we go cash flow positive. Then all of a sudden now Uber is like making tens of billions of dollars a year in profit. Um, but it's inventure it, has that same type of mindset, right? Like all people really care about is you get, you get projected on your valuations or you should, if you're in tech on your top line revenue growth, you're actually not in it. But if you're more of um, 
a bricks and mortar type of business or more of a historical business that's been around for 10, 20, 30 years, you'll actually be um, you'll actually be valued based on your EBITDA, your earnings before interest and all the depreciation, maybe amortization. Um, it just depends on what sector you're in, really. Um, but uh, we we want to be we're going to be valued on our top line revenue growth. We're going to burn cash. Uh, we should be cash flow positive soon, but ultimately we're going to be projected on a top line revenue because we're always going to be growing and innovating and growing our footprint. Man, I love this shit because listening to you like ramble off all these business, like you speak the language of business, and it's so like it's it's fascinating. Like like and I bring I say this all the time. I don't know many people that are like that are operating at this level, like, like the way you just described EBITDA, like I remember that in one of my textbooks in school, but like, like you're, you're living it. And I don't know how much you can share um, about your experience with venture and fundraising money for GreenCube, but how much did you know before going into that process and, and versus where you're sitting at today? A lot, a lot less than what I know now. Right? <laughs> like, I think that's it, right? It's like people are scared to like go out and sit and sit across the desk from like um, an investor, right, or a venture investor. And I think ultimately, like that, for when you're young, especially, like uh, you, you want to have like all your boxes checked. But the fact of the matter is, like, someone's going to throw some sort of absurd, like, if a finance person on the other side is going to throw some sort of stupid term at you, and you're not going to know what it is. Like I've, I've sat there in those meetings and gone, okay, like, I don't know what the hell he means by like a discounted cash flow valuation. Like what the hell does that even mean? Right. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't take, I didn't take finance in school. I took economics and I was a theater minor and I'm just here growing a business. I know it's going to be super successful. Yeah. What the hell is a discounted cash flow valuation? Yeah. And so then I, then like, but it's good. I think it's really informative. And this is why like, um, like I want, like we always talk about like, what do I want to do long-term? It's have my own fun. I think because there's a reason why these different mechanisms are in place um, and these different uh, these measurement tools, these valuation tools are in place. And it, as an entrepreneur and someone who's on the other side of the table, it's really valuable for you to know all these uh, different types of languages and speak that language because ultimately you want, I want to be sitting on the other side of the table one day, maybe not fully. I want to be like maybe in the middle and like helping people kiss both sides out. But um it's like uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna learn anything until you throw yourself into the fire, mm-hmm. and I think that's it, right? Like you can read, and that's the same thing. Like they always tell me, like, yeah, read every textbook you want. Like just read every textbook you want. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. Like it means something. Go in knowledgeable. Go in and be able to articulate the value, your value proposition, but. And, but it's okay to like get discouraged when someone throws out something across tables saying like, what's your discounted cash flow? What's your EBITDA? What's yeah. your top, what's, what's your top line revenue? I didn't even know for a long time what like top line revenue was versus bottom line revenue. I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? What's the difference? Neither. Define uh, for me. Yeah. Well, top line is just like in, what you bring in uh, to your business. And so, then like, bottom line. Top, is- bottom line is what you're making. Uh, gotcha. Top line. But yeah, it's a revenue but, then, but that's, that's exactly it like it's once you describe it it's so sounds so simple but like these are terms that yeah. can either make you look like you know what you're doing or have no idea like who's this amateur yeah and that's the thing right it's like you're not gonna know what you're doing when you're 22 23 years old like i love you i like i, I love that version of troy uh, troy 22 23 thought i knew everything in the world but like it's a factor of like experience man like there's a reason why 
people in their thirties and forties are very, are like where they are, where they're at, especially in venture is because they've experienced this stuff. They've seen this before. There's a reason why, like, uh, as like, there's like different entrepreneurs, like have a initial exit on their first one and then have a bigger one on their second, then have a bigger one on the third, and then have a bigger one on the fourth, because they're learning. Like you're constantly learning. And the only way you learn is to throw yourself into the fire and sit across the, from the other ta- side of the table. And honestly, like I probably will still get terms that get thrown out at us, sure. thrown out at me across, but I'm not going to get discouraged because I know the val- I know how to articulate the value of our business and what we're trying to do. I and, am, uh, well, yeah, I'm, go sure, I'm going to jump in here because I saw, I was on Instagram today and, um, I saw like a Gary Vee type post. It was from David Meltzer, right. but it said you it's, it's likely, or you could, the post said you could be 25 no's away from what you want. Right. So it just, sure. it just talks like, it's all about the, 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 if you don't jump into whatever it is, because I'm, I'm curious to know your answer on this or just this, like what your day to day on your averages. But like, if, if you don't take that first step, then you're never going to get an answer. It's just like talking to the, the girls at the bar. If you're not, if you're not, if you don't ever go up and approach them, how, how do you like, you're not even giving yourself a chance to, for them to say yes. How many on average, like how many no's do you get on in a day or in a week? Like when you're pitching green cube or GCX. Um, like I guess on the sales side, like sales is like playing baseball. I love it. I always tell myself, you know, it's like playing baseball guys. You know, if you bat 300, you're a hall of famer. Like it's very similar, man. Like if uh, a good salesperson should close three of every 10 deals that, that are qualified, qualified basic deals. I, we, I think, uh, or I know I close more, but um, um, it's a matter of just getting on the phone. That's always the hardest part, which is what we're solving a great deal outreach um but it's a matter of uh like you get told every you get told no every single day in business like and i think as a young person right like as a young person like one no like cripples your world right it's like i like when you first start out you're like i have a great idea and this is where i think a lot of people like 99.9 of the business fail is because uh, resilience and grit is built off of uh not giving up after someone told you no Resilience and grit is built up after someone telling you no. And so getting told the first time is really hard. And that like cripples a lot of people mentally because it's the first time you've like revealed your baby to the markets and the market right. business said, ha, well, there's a thousand different other companies like you. And then like people get discouraged and they go, well, I'm not going to try anymore. Well, you got to be, you got to believe and you got to be stubborn enough to keep, keep, take that no, learn from it and actually be able to look at that no and go, Okay, they said no because of X, Y, and Z. So I'm the ne- on the next call, I'm gonna have X, Y, and Z answered. And then guess what? You're gonna learn on the then you're gonna do another call and you're gonna have all those answered and you're gonna think you're an expert, and that person's probably gonna tell you no. And then all of a sudden you gotta have A, B, C answered, then you gotta have D, E, F answered. Right. Eventually, eventually you sit here and you know the whole alphabet, and you're and it's ultimately uh, the person goes, Okay, I think Troy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to give that guy a shot. Yeah, but you don't, you don't get there until, until you go through like, like the first no sucks, but guess what? I bet the the hundredth no isn't going to suck as much, right? It's, it's funny. So the hundredth no still sucks. There's no one likes getting told no to, but it's like you learn, I like my no on the first one. I, it was like uh, my first no, I I can't even remember it anymore. Like that's good. You got to have short-term memory, memory when you're in sales. 
My first no, um, it was more of a hindrance and a crippling thing, uh, I think, for because like your your idea just got slashed and slaughtered, right? Um, and then the hundredth no, though, or the thousandth no, you're actually just now looking at that and picking out pieces of information and feedback from that no that you can use as like into your product development and you can use into ideation and ultimately to things like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. Like, that's a great idea. Now, now my no, now the no's are actually idea, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's um, the no's, the no's are, because like you said, and, and this is, it obviously depends on what industry you're working on and, and who you're talking to and what business you're yeah. in. Like, like you've said before, each no is an opportunity to learn something to build your next pitch stronger or your business plan yeah. stronger. Um, but you know, if you're, if you bat three out of three out of 10, if you close three out of 10 leads, you're a superstar that remember I brought up the whole, Hey, the Grant Cardone selling thing is to say, Hey man, if you want to grow your business, just if you talk to 10, guess what? You want to double, you want to double your revenue, talk to 20. Cause you're going to, you're going to close three out of 10. So now you're closing six versus three. That kind of yep. makes sense. That kind of makes sense. No, it does. It's like uh, top. You can't. You can never have enough. Uh, you never have enough top of the top of the funnel. It's called right. You can never right. have enough leads. And I always say this, right? Like people say, like, um, well, so I can get rid of um, like when with GreenCube, for example, right? Because we're an outreach company. We're lead gen software. Very low, very uh, high level. We're lead gen company. And I get people that say to us, so oh. I don't have to spend any money on marketing anymore or inbound or content creation, or I don't have to spend anything on SEO or all these different avenues for lead gen. Um, and I go, no, we're just the worth. We're like part of it. Right. Don't cause when, um, and I say we always want all of our clients and we want to align ourselves with other businesses and partners to help enhance that whole top of the funnel process. Because what happened, what we had, and this came from discovery and this came from initial clients was, People started allocating funds and more resources towards us and more pressure was put on you and people allocate towards money for you. And so what we realized was, you know what, it's, we can only, well, we, we can only today at that time, now we can compensate more, but at that time uh, we, we only had X amount that we could compensate because we were so small. Right. And we were just, we were growing. Now we're a little bigger and now we on a, we're on a per rep basis, which is cool. At the first we were just like, okay, this is uh this is like, um, this is a Toronto Maple Leafs and we can only get this amount of leads from Toronto Maple Leafs. Now it's like, no, this is Tristan Ross who works with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then we have Troy Kremer who works with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then we have this who works with the Toronto. So now we've, we've expanded on a per seat model versus actually just the per client model, uh, which has expanded our business massive. But we always tell our people and always tell our clients that you got to have multiple iron, multiple irons in the fire. Don't just rely on us. We're going to be your best performer. We're going to say that, but you got to have multiple irons in the fire. Like we put, like for us, for example, like we put content out there. We film great videos like these. We do inbound content creation. We're now just getting into SEO because ultimately SEO is big in SaaS and SEO optimization and being that first click touch points, it's really coming a SaaS platform. Sure. It's a big avenue to grow there. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, you got to have multiple irons in the fire when it comes down to that, Tristan. And um, yeah, this is kind of it. It makes, it makes a little sense. Um, here's something that I'm curious in because I've been thinking about this a lot. What is your what is your perspective on so so from a business standpoint, right? Think of now. I know Green Cube is 
differentiated from many of your competitors. I understand that, but let's, let's talk high level here. If someone's starting a business and they know that it's not the brand new idea, it's not, it's not, it's something that has been done before. Something that could get them discouraged is like, well, why would someone buy from me? Like if there's already a service provider out there that people are buying for, maybe there's not enough clients out there for me to gain a substantial amount of revenue to sustain a business. What's your perspective on like the number of fish in the sea? Like if you're as a SaaS company, there's a million different technology, AI SaaS companies out there. How, how do you think about the number of fish in the sea, the potential customers out there for you? You know what I'm trying to say? I know the question is not super clear, but no, no, no. I got you. It's like, um, like what, why start a business in a vertical that has a thousand fish in the sea? Like, why would you just try to start something else? Um, because I remember we talked about last time. Uh, by the way, I want to I want to reclip this last time, but because I think it's such a good clip, is like um, uh, we always, we talked about how like um, an idea for a startup you don't come up with it, you discover it, right? And so I think um, when you discover something or you discover something that um, is is uh, is not out there, you can start to create um, your your business off of that, right? So for example, for lead generation for us, right? Um, Green Cube was, we, we discovered that this world of outreach, um, was chaotic at the start. Um, what did we, and then we discovered, okay, wow. Like I, Troy sent a hundred, and this is for our B2C business before we even went into outreach. That's why I talked for discovery. So Green Cube, B2C, Troy sends a thousand or, or whatever it was, a thousand personalized emails out to VPs of marketing at sports teams to basically try to open a door. Right, that was my out, that was my outreach. Um, then eventually, Troy goes and sends a DM to the Vancouver Canucks um, on Twitter, and we had a huge Twitter database and gets a response. Right, then we went, okay, I'm gonna start DMing people on Twitter, and so as we we discovered that of DMing people on Twitter, targeting people through not even audience creation, just the mechanism of DMing on Twitter and that led to responses. Then we could, then we basically went into, wow, we have a 13% response rate and email right now is operating at like 0.01% response rates on cold outreach. We got something here. And we thought that was like, we thought that was like the euphoric idea and we're gonna change the world. Then we go and we sold people on that idea. And then what we realized was, okay, wow, um, Twitter only gets you so much. Um, we got to go to LinkedIn. And then we went to LinkedIn. And then also made we realized, okay, wow, Twitter and LinkedIn are great, but how can we keep evolving? Then we went to email. And then we realized was, well, we're logging. We've always done this from day one. We're logging all the responses of people who respond to those different platforms because we've tried to solve Troy's initial pain point we were just starting off of, which was the question of who is most likely to respond. And so now we've always, we've logged all the data points of who is most likely to respond through not just the people that have responded, but through all of our outreach that we've sent. And so now we can definitively answer through our AI models, who is most likely to respond digitally based on the people that not even responded, but didn't respond mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. us. And so that's how, Kristen, we got from like the discovering of outreach was just through Twitter DM. Twitter DM, sending a message is considered outreach. And then just DMing someone on Twitter was how we got into outreach. Then we migrated to LinkedIn. Now we were on social. 
Then we went to email. Now we're social email. Then we were eventually logging all the response. Oh, shoot. We got something great here because now we can create better audiences than Zoom Info and LinkedIn Sales Navigator and targeting. Oh, wow. Now we're, now we're, uh, now we're like the, the, the best BB AI matchmaking machine because we can actually match Tristan with the most qualified people that he wants to get to for his targets. Oh, wow. Now we're a per seat model. Okay. Now we can optimize salespeople. Like, see how like that evolution happens? Like, and that, and you don't come up with those ideas. You discover those ideas and you've got to be so aware basically to be able to put yourself in the shoes and go, wow, how about we tweak this and tweak that and tweak that and tweak this. And eventually you got to end up with your product today. Yeah. But, and I think it's important to say that you weren't going into this, expecting this evolution to happen. It just happened day by day, brick by brick. Pivoting. Right. Yeah. Like, that's like the famous term, right? We pivot, right? It's like a Silicon Valley. I love that. I love that. Um, have, you, have you seen Silicon Valley, the show? No, but there's it's like, the, it's like, you got to watch like the last episode, I think of like the first season and the guys like their, their idea, basically they have a competitor at this pitch show, a right. big, big, like tech competitor that came in and basically said like, yeah, we have everything you have and we can build up like all these products in the background. So they got crumbled. And so there's this scene where like one of the employees goes out and starts interviewing people about pivoting their business <laughs> about ideas. Anyway, there's there's a ton there's a ton of videos online like reels or tiktoks of like the corporate jargon that millennials is, hey karen i'd love to cir circle back on that and uh thank yep. you for taking the time out of your day to listen to my uh, you know it's just like the corporate jargon pivot pivot yeah. buzzword like that yeah that, i love pivot <laughs> that makes sense it's like it, it, goes, it goes back to our decision points right it's like everything that you do in life is a byproduct of making a decision and there's 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 very few things i think there's like what there's death that you know when you die like you can't make a decision past that point but like almost anything else whether you you buy you get into a new job or you buy a new car that you can't afford it's always like you always have the ability to adapt pivot and make a decision yeah like i think you i think you pivot hmm Interesting. So I think pivot, like, uh, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess you're always pivoting. You're always steering directions. Yeah. It's always. When, when I was going to say, we, there's always like different verticals. We, we don't pit. I think pivots like, ah, is that the right word? Um, I guess you kind of pivot into there, I, but like you have multiple pivots, right? Like you're always, sure. you're pivoting. You might pivot everywhere. Like we pivoted into another vertical. Like we pivoted on tech design. Like we didn't pivot though. Like we built. So maybe actually you're not pivoting, you're building. And then you're, yeah. you're, you're laying down like the, the cement. You need the direction, which is the pivot, but you're laying down the, the cement um, and the foundation, uh, which is building on top of it. So maybe, um, maybe the pivot is like the initial discovery of the idea you got to build your foundation to then basically compensate for that pivot. Yeah, because I, I think because you always had GreenCube was always built on um, the foundation of AI, right? Whether it was your built. Well, the foundation was the database, right? It's like we've right. always had this database. That's the foundation. And the AI is built on that. Uh, and so, so basically all you did is you just kept adding fuel to that fire. You kept adding different data points different data points, structures to that core database. And then you would pivot based on what you observed 
in the yeah. market when you were out there testing and experiencing and talking to people. It wasn't like you guys didn't sit in an office and just wait until you had the best product ever. And then you just, you said, all right, we made it. We're, we're, it's, it's go time. No, you were building as you were flying the plane. Yeah, well, you have to, right? Like if you're, if you're in a lab building a product, then you ultimately don't know what's going on on the outside. Hmm. Yeah. Like you don't know, like you could build like uh, you could build like the best science experiment in the world, but it might not, ex- it, when, when oxygen reach, when it reaches real oxygen in the atmosphere, it might crumble. Right. It's so you true. gotta, you gotta build, you gotta build your product in the atmosphere and the atmosphere is a market. You gotta build your product with the market. And because I always tell people this, like, let's say you go create an app and then for three months later, like you go create an app in your room, uh, you go out to the market, you get a no, you go out, you get a no, and you rebuild everything because you got that one note. Well, first off, that one note isn't the whole market. So you should go and see if you get other notes that have the same thing. If you get more notes, then you should go and build it. But you should build it, with it and, but never be detached from the market. Because if you detach yourself from the market, guess what? There are a thousand other businesses and technologies that are innovating, disrupting every single day. So the odds are, Tristan, if you put your head down even for one day or for five days, the market shifted. Right. And so you got to always be attached to the market when you're building. And so that's why the analogy of uh, flying, a, like building a plane while flying is basically a startup. It's because, yeah, you're flying because you're, you're in market, right? And so you got to build on top of it to eventually go to the moon. Sure. And if you've never flown in ice, like what happens when you hit an ice storm? Well, you probably didn't prepare for that in the lab. Buddy, buddy that's called resilience and grit. Exactly. And that's resilience and grit. It's uh, hit an ice storm, hit, hit massive turbulence, hit maybe even a fucking volcano some days or whatever. I don't know. It's like, it, it, yeah, like what the bomb cyclones. There's, I love that word. That's the new one that's up this week, the bomb cyclones that are hitting the West Coast. Um, anyways, yeah, so you run into a bomb cyclone. Right. Uh, never experienced a bomb cyclone before, but I'm going to have the resilience and grit and have my goggles on with my tape and my hoodie on the wing, hammering stuff in to make sure that the plane still flies. And then guess what? A storm always passes, man. You get through the storm. And then guess what? You might hit a, you might have a, a soon, might have an, uh, I don't know, um, a tornado that you run into the next day. Cool. I got through the bomb cyclone, man. I can get through the tornado. And so that's the mindset that you have to have. And like, it's grit and resilience and it's passion. And uh, it's like, okay, like, bring it on, man. Like, I'm going to take all this. The bomb cyclone. And guess what? It might take you down. And then you're just going to have to start from scratch again and build and then say, oh, shit, I never thought a bomb cyclone could ever happen. Well, let's prepare for that now before we set sail again. It never it never takes you down. It only takes you down is if you quit. Mm. Never takes you down. If it, 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 you hit the ground um, when you quit. Interesting. If you're, if you're never, if you never, Babe Ruth, famous quote, it's really hard to defeat a man that never quits. I fucking love that line. That's like, it's so true because if you put it in your mind as a mindset, Tristan, if you actually never quit, do you ever, are you ever really defeated? I, I totally agree. It's, you, it's you might, you might, you, you might be psychotic and senile, but you ultimately, you're never defeated. Like Elon Musk is such an amazing example of this, man. He was on his last rocket. He had already spent billions of dollars. He's on his last rocket for SpaceX. 
but so many crashed before. Guess what? Eventually, the one landed. And guess what? Even if that rocket blew up, you don't think that guy's going and finding more money and raising more capital to go have more shots at the moon or more shots at landing? Like, come on, man. Like, it's there, grit and resilience. It's grit and absolute resilience that will get you through and make you be successful at the end of the day. The only place where that mindset doesn't work is at the casino, right? Oh. Yeah, well, you're you're well, right when you walk in the door, the odds are against you. You got to create your own odds. Yeah, man. Like, hey, so I've heard someone say, like, hey, you, you can't lose if you just don't 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 quit and like just keep. You lose, you lose ten grand. Well, put down twenty, and you're gonna you, you're you only lost if you lose. If, if, but terrible analogy, obviously, for for that reason, <laughs> yeah. because, because the odds. Well, are eventually, well, eventually, it hits zero. But I guess. I guess conceptually, if you have people that are willing to give you the money to keep playing, you need a lot of money for that. And I don't know. <laughs> Eventually, you should hit. It's but, hard. Like, it's hard. You, you, might, ban- you might bankrupt the whole world. Yeah, that's that's the one. <laughs> that's thing where, like, there's there's enough money out there, but you have to convince someone to give you that money and to yeah. say, hey, like I just lost a hundred grand on blackjack. Like, give me another hundred. Like, eh, yeah. it, it's rough that someone will take that. Um, it's also like it's not your idea, right? Like it's not you're not controlling the game. Build on that, yeah. Because how how can you building the game or the product or your business help stack the odds into your favor? It's no different than like uh, getting told no. Like getting told no is no different than losing a hand or uh, at the blackjack table, right? But ultimately, like. Uh, I hate using gambling as an example, but like, it's like, it, you gotta, you got like, as you innovate, uh, if, if, if the, if the game, if the world is, I don't know, a blackjack game or an odds or again, the market's the market's a game, the market, let's just use this analogy. If the market is a game and you're playing that game, um, the odds of you beating that game or winning that game uh, are very minuscule when you're just starting out. That's why, like, when you get told no, it's hard because guess what? You have, like, if you focus on, like, the big overarching game of uh, winning the game, you're probably not going to be able to get to that point mentally saying, oh, shoot, well, I'm here right now and I just got told no and I'm trying to solve outreach across the world. Well, I'm just going to quit because why? I'm not going to get to the, th- I'm not going to create that innovation or create that no. But every single no that you get told, you should basically then build on that and increase your odds. So you get into hold no, come up with an idea, increase your odds. Get told no, come up with a solve or solve for that, increase your odds. And you're always increasing your odds, essentially. And you're never quitting. If you never quit, you're always increasing your odds. And eventually, you beat the game. Yeah. You win. It, it makes total sense. If you do put it into odds, let's say the, 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 the world, the, the game has mm-hmm. 10 people, right? Yeah. And you talk to the first person and you get a no. Yeah. Well, if you go back and solve for that no, now you're playing one versus nine, your odds have just increased, right? So I guess. Yeah. And obviously it's super simplified, but that's, I think that's the same, the same premise that, that is building on. So yeah. I think this, this was the act of, um, no's are very valuable for someone first starting out because it's, it's almost giving you what it's giving you a taste of what the market's looking for and giving you an opportunity yep. to, to build your product to, to match that. 
every conversation that you have with someone that's a prospect or a potential buyer, um, those are invaluable conversations because you're, you always have to go with the mindset that even if you don't have the answers on that call, you just learn something that you can apply. And I think that's something that we, when you're starting out, you can't get discouraged by um, when people, someone told you no, but they, you should always ask for feedback. Right. And like, I always ask when I'm on calls, like, well, I had a call like uh, last week. It was hilarious. The guy was like basically saying, well, I, we do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. And uh, then I basically just asked, and basically I was like, okay, he basically doesn't, doesn't need us. And then I went, so what were you, I said like, no different, like uh, whatever, Chris or whatever the heck his name was, Chris. Well, sounds like you got everything solved for, like, how can, how can I help? What do you need help on? I just asked the guy. And then he took a step back and went, oh, that's, yeah, I guess. Well, I'm like, where, where are you in pain? He's like, well, I guess, yeah. Like I'm a little frustrated because uh, we, we aren't targeting the exact right audiences. And I said, okay, why? And then ultimately went into conversation. And what we pulled out of that was, wow, GreenCube can actually be a market research tool for people's outreach discovery into verticals. You got this vertical locked down and capped. Cool. You're a growing startup and you want to expand. Where do you look to expand? New verticals. What's the engine that can go out and do that at scale really fast and get to know? Huh, the G. That damn G, baby. People are going to be seeing that all over the place in, in the world of B2B sales. Um, all over. This was Act 23. Haul at you, boys. We out. Jordan. Jordan Act, baby. Jordan Act. Let's go. Fire me up. Let's Fire go. Buddy. <laughs> Bye, buddy. See ya. Cheers.